0: Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Our goal is to help Christians understand the truth of Romans 15 14, that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm one of your hosts, Curtis Solomon.
1: And I'm Lincoln Liu, your other host. Be sure to check out other resources from the BCC at biblicalcc.org.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of 1514. We are thrilled to have you as part of our audience. Today's episode is one that I did with Dr. Lily Park in our Getting to Know You line so that you can get to know different biblical counseling leaders around the world. Lily serves as Associate Professor of Biblical Counseling at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. She's also a member of the BCC Council and she writes and speaks in a variety of different Areas. Uh, I was really excited to have this conversation because I've known Lily for a long time. Our paths actually crossed over 20 years ago when she came to Southern at the same time I was doing my MDiv here, and we both worked for Stuart Scott at that time. And it's just been a blessing and a delight to get to know Lily over the years and to see how the Lord has grown her and shaped her and the opportunities that have come her way. So I'm excited for you to get to know her a little bit through this podcast. I pray that it is encouragement to you and edifying to you, mostly that. It's glorifying to the Lord, and I pray that you have a wonderful day and enjoy this. Thanks for listening. This season of 1514 is brought to you in part by the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and Boyce College. A lifetime of faithfulness in counseling, preaching, teaching, and discipling begins with an education that is trusted for truth. Southern Seminary and Boyce College offer undergraduate master's level, and doctoral degrees in biblical counseling that you can trust to be scripturally grounded and life-transforming. The aim of our program at Boyce College is to prepare graduates to serve in counseling ministries and to position them for graduate-level training in biblical counseling. If your next step in counseling is earning a master's or doctoral degree, Southern Seminary equips our graduates fully online or on campus to counsel God's word faithfully and skillfully in both individuals and families. To learn more about an undergraduate biblical counseling degree, go to BoyceCollege.com slash 1514. That's BoyceCollege.com slash 1514. For more information about graduate-level credentials, the web address is sbts.edu slash 1514. You will also find direct links to these degree programs in the show notes of today's 1514 episode. Thanks so much for listening. Well, Lily Park, thanks so much for being with us on 1514 today. Would you mind introducing yourself to our audience?
1: Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Lily Park, and I serve on faculty at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas.
0: And prior to that, you were a colleague up here at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And so, we're happy to see uh, that you're still a colleague, but just from afar. So, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you, get to, you get to enjoy the Texas weather and everything down there. So, So, Lily, you're a member of the BCC Council, and we want to let our audience get to know who those people are and get to know them a little bit. So, we're going to start back in your childhood mm-hmm. and just kind of move on up to today and then <laughs> Share a little bit about as well how you got into counseling and and some of those highlights there. So start us off. Just tell us about what was what was home life for you like when you were growing up.
1: Home life, like, well, let's see. I um, I have one younger sister and my parents, so it's four of us, and uh, we're we're a pretty close family. We're we're really we're pretty tight. Um, my sister and I definitely had those growing pain period as sisters, um, teenage years, but uh, it's sweet how God has allowed us to become really close friends and we can really um, share our burdens together. So I'm grateful to God and my parents as well. Uh, my parents, I just always uh, appreciated their support of me and... So I'm Korean American, for those who don't know me. Uh, I grew up in Maryland, and my parents have just always been supportive of my interest. And looking back, I'm incredibly grateful for that. So I think that's how the Lord allowed me to to ministry um, and without... Feeling this tension in my home, um, because it was such a foreign kind of quote career for my parents, and but I I think they are—they've always just been supportive.
0: Hmm. So So, were your parents um, believers when you were growing up?
1: So we we went to church to my father's church, actually my uncle's and my grandmother. She was the first one who became a Christian, and uh, several of my uncles are believers. My father does not have a saving faith, so I would say he he is um, religious in that he participates in our family worship gatherings when we have the whole family over with prayer and things. Um, and then my mother, I'm not sure. Um, she's very open and goes to church at times, but I can't say for sure that she has a saving relationship. So that's probably the biggest burden for me is my parents' salvation. Mm,
0: yeah, absolutely. I just didn't know with with the uh, when you were saying they're supportive of of everything. <laughs> Sometimes families are. Even Christian families are not supportive of ministry, uh, but definitely yeah. for, for those who aren't firmly committed to or have a saving relationship with the Lord, uh, it definitely can be even bigger challenge for that. So be, besides ministry, what kind mm-hmm. of interest did you have when you were a kid? What were you interested in? What were you like? What did you like to do?
1: That is a good question. I don't think I've thought about this in a long time. So uh, I, I think I was a, I think I was a quiet person so, and I was shy. That's so ironic that I'm teaching and speaking at events because I was so different <laughs> when I was younger. And if you told me what I would be doing years later, I would have laughed at you probably <laughs> Um, but I think, again, it's the Lord who has done this work in my life. And uh, But I was pretty shy and quiet, um, wanted to just please my parents in general and, uh, and get along with people. And I, I, I remember having friends. So I, I changed schools. Grade. And I, I just remember my sister and I still talk about this. Sometimes when you're changing schools, it can be hard socially. But we, we both still reminisce about the friends we were able to make easily mm. at both schools, and the teachers, the wonderful teachers. We still remember our music teacher and our science teacher and specific art teacher. So something really uh, random. Our first elementary school, um, the art teacher, her husband taught at this school we were going to move into. Does that make sense? We yeah. had his wife as our art teacher in our first elementary, and then her husband as our art teacher in the <laughs> second elementary school. Does that make sense? Oh, it and totally so does. It's interesting that it they have
0: married each other, though. Like that's that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah.
1: it's <laughs> small world, right? But. Uh, But I just remember that they were both telling us, oh, that's my husband and our wife, and Mm. um, just welcoming us and being warm. But yeah, so my childhood, I would say um, I have fond memories of just really nice people, um, Mm. really friends and teachers in elementary and middle school and high school.
0: Oh, that's that's a really sweet, that's a nice, nice life to grow up in with, with, surrounded by good people, uh, or kind people, at least we don't want to be untheological, right? Nobody's good. Uh, (laughs) Um, so, so tell us how did you come to saving faith? Um, yeah. How did, how did the Lord draw you to himself?
1: Yes. So as I shared earlier, we were attending my, uh, father's family's church, And then my parents moved to a different city, and that made it more difficult to travel to the other church. So we eventually stopped attending that church, and my mom would take my sister and me to this uh, church in the new community. And I remember when we started to go to that particular church, I was in high school, maybe eighth grade ninth grade or so and I was just starting to get really involved in the youth group and I I appreciated the youth pastor and the people I was meeting but at school my friends were starting to uh, you know just have more fun Mm. yeah so should we just put it that way (laughs) and I remember experiencing (laughs) this tension of not having as much fun with them and i remember they eventually stopped inviting me to hang out because i would decline um regularly and that was hard as you know teenage years it's Mm. all about friends and hanging out together but uh at some point i just realized this is just not fun um so around that time period i don't know why my father prohibited my mom from taking us to that church. So my mom started taking us to this new church and it was apparently a church plant of this larger church. And the, we went and the pastor said to us, please come back next week. We have a new youth pastor coming from California and we really want you to meet him. And I had this, you know, attitude of oh I miss my old church why are we Mm -hmm. here kind of thing and but uh, we went back and we continued attending there and that's the pastor the Lord used Mm -hmm. to help me really understand the gospel so church wasn't just about doing something um a religious activity as it was at my other church or having uh fun but I was learning what it means to have quiet times and what it means to uh, study the word and be a disciple. So God used him to just open my eyes um, that I am a lost sinner in need of a savior. And life discipled me and another high schooler. I was in 10th grade. And my friend was in 11th grade. And we would meet at their home once a week after school. And she would go through a different book um, that taught us something about the Christian life. And then on Sundays, uh, the pastor and his wife would lead the student leaders meeting and they would train us on what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a student leader. And so uh, that was probably foundational uh, because I was uh, being discipled by some godly people. And yeah, so that's how I got saved and uh, grew as a young Christian.
0: Yeah. Well, that's really great because I was talking to, one of our colleagues yesterday for a podcast, and she was saying how so few adults have had great intentional discipleship. And Because um, I, I do, I think people, a lot of people our age, yes. didn't have that. That wasn't a thing that a lot of churches emphasize. So that's really cool that they were so so great at <laughs> it. For you, that's that's wonderful. So did uh, mm-hmm. did you get involved in ministry right away? Like, when did you start feeling like, man, I want to go? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're a seminary professor now, so there's a path there. When did that start?
1: (laughs) I don't know. Somehow it happened. I (laughs) would have never thought. Right? So, well, let's see. So, remember I was telling you about the Sunday meetings Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with the pastor and his wife, and I made the period because they started with 10th graders through senior year. was in 10th grade and I that allowed me to participate in leading some of the um, small group with women Mm. in the youth group so that was my first taste of ministry and I probably I really didn't know what I was doing probably (laughs) and but I just remember enjoying that experience and then It probably wasn't into college. I went to University of Maryland and I was very simple about my college decision where I was looking at another school out of state. And my college pastor said to me, you know, we could use some women on staff Hmm. in college ministry at University of Maryland. So I kid you not, that's how I ended up choosing that university
2: so that I
1: could serve in college ministry. And all four years of my life, I was uh, serving throughout the week, active. And um, probably the next level of serving um, was when the youth, the college ministry leader asked if I would lead a women's law group. And that was, I felt so honored to be asked that. And here's why. Because I respected my pastor's wife so much and her investment in my life and the impact that she made just spending time with me on a weekly basis and exemplifying and teaching me the word of God. I just thought that was such a high honor to be asked that, and intimidated too. I felt I'm um, not ready, and he said he was just very encouraging, and um, and so I started leading a small group, and then it multiplied into two groups. We would meet two different nights, and I loved it. So um, that was probably how the Lord really drew me towards the administrator, because when I studied business, and college. So, in my mind, business is the way I'm going to pay bills and the way I'm going to work and be a productive member of society. And But I'm always going to serve in church or college ministry or, or women's ministry, somehow like that. And and then later, when uh, I graduated from college and I was, the Lord was just so kind to open opportunities at a Fortune 500 company and I definitely was not qualified but I w- I'm thankful because I think it gave me a taste of what it's like and 9-11 happened and I lost two colleagues at the Pentagon mm. and I was in my early 20s and I just it's almost like a midlife crisis like wow uh, life can be short and What also made that more personal is that one of the two men, I was just starting to work on one of the projects. He was leading, he was highly respected in the army. And I just, sometimes you meet people and you instantly gravitated towards them and you Mm -hmm. want to learn more about them. And he had this um, unassuming demeanor as a high up leader. And I remember uh, he just, Was always so kind to me in our brief encounters. And I was so sad to learn that he was at the Pentagon as well. So I had a little, um, this, this, uh, you know, earth shattering kind of moment of what do I want to do? And I kept thinking, well, life is short. And if there's anything that I would love to do with the rest of my life is ministry. Mm. And I knew pastoral ministry was not an option, Um, but someone told me about biblical counseling. And long story short, my pastor's wife, this is a different pastor um, at a different church. His wife had a friend who went to master's college. It was called college at that time. And he, Helped out in the biblical counseling department. And so she arranged a phone call with him. And one of the first things he said to me was, he used an example of being shy. And so I'm paying attention because that was <laughs> me. <laughs> I'm like, of all the examples he could have used, he used shyness. And he said something, you know, that's really a fair man. And I thought, oh. That that was so simple, but it was so profound because that was something I wrestled with growing up. But it really challenged how I thought about being shy and uh, that I was thinking too much of what people thought of me. And that inhibits me from serving God more faithfully. So I don't think he realized how much he made an impact with that one example but um, another one is there was a one day symposium in New York Jay Adams was supposed to speak and I'm like I don't know this person I'm just going to this event I go there and he was too ill apparently to travel so they had someone else I'd never heard of Wink speak that day and I loved (laughs) and I said where can I get more training and me to masters. If, if anyone knows that way, Mack he used to teach at masters, mm-hmm. but me being new to this world, <laughs> I had no idea. And so the Lord used different people to guide my path, basically. That, that's a long answer, but um, yeah, got saved in high school, started serving and especially in college ministry. And then that led to my master's in biblical counseling
0: eventually so you went you found out about biblical counseling just around the time that you were having this quarter life crisis of what do i do with the rest of my life Uh, (laughs) um appropriately not not because you had seen it done or gone to get it or anything just somebody said hey this is it and and what what was it Mm -hmm. about what they said or that you heard that made you think Mm -hmm. this is the kind of ministry that i want to do
1: uh, so I think that one phone call with that person mm-hmm. at Masters who talked about biblical counseling and the example of being shy, I really resonated with that. I was I was I was intrigued. Mm-hmm. I was curious. Like tell me more because I should also say that in youth group, my youth pastor would exposit the word. Friday nights, he would do Old Testament survey, New Testament survey. So we had almost, but we have our Old Testament, New Testament version in seminary, basically. But uh, he was also fun. I should clarify. We had (laughs) the best youth camps. Very memorable, (laughs) crazy stories. But um, I thought I knew, I had a good grasp of the word because he just was always about Um, Don't listen to me just because I'm saying it. Listen, Mm. you search the word, you study the word. Don't believe me because I'm the pastor. So that was um, drilled into me as a teenager. But that one day symposium in New York and then that phone call with the person, my master's helped me to see, I think, a living word aspect Mm. of God's word. That was Different and uh, an intriguing. It was. Yeah. It made me want to know more and more. Like uh, because it was so wel- relevant mm-hmm. of how they were teaching the word, as you know, right? It just it opened my eyes to see a different layer of scripture yep. Uh, yep. Be- beyond the um, exegesis uh, teachings I was gaining at church. So. Um, in my church, we they would offer um, Bible classes, Greek, for you know church people who were interested. Um, they were pretty committed yeah. to God's word, and um, so, but I, I don't think I really realized how practical and relevant God's word was until I got a glimpse of those biblical counseling conversations and events.
0: That's great. So you went, you went to kind of left your, did you leave the business world at that point and go to masters or did you do like a summer institute Mm -hmm. there? What, what was, what was that like?
1: No, I went all in. You
0: just dropped my job. I now come
1: to think of it, it's only because I was in my early twenties I could do something. So, uh, you know, no children, single and young, um and I I still remember this. So this is one of those big Fortune five hundred. It's what and consulting world, it was one of the top five consulting companies. Right. And you know what I did? <laughs> and I I people when they would transition to a different job or a different company, usually it was a company related to business. It yeah. would send an email, like a mass email of farewell, I'm going to this company to serve in this world. And I did that with my situation saying that I'm gonna pursue a biblical counseling degree. <laughs> and I'm laughing now because they must be thinking, what is she talking about? Like what is she gonna do with <laughs> because <laughs> I was so excited about what I was gonna do and I wanted to share this with them. And uh, so this did lead one of the high level executives, he called me in to have a meeting and he shared, you know, I once almost considered uh, pastoral ministry. So uh-huh. that did lead to some unexpected uh, conversations. But um yeah. No, that that's
0: that's, in- yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. That would be a so uh,
1: job and move to the West Coast. I <laughs>
0: moved to the West Coast. Yeah, you went from <laughs> Maryland to to California too, so you just span the mm-hmm. whole country. Uh so, you finish up your MABC at Masters. Um, mm-hmm. I know some, you know, we connected, I think, around that time initially. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell, so I know a little bit more of your history, story there. Where'd you go from there?
1: So, uh, after my master's degree, I actually worked at Grace Community Church for a year, uh, the pastor of discipleship and counseling. And I was so excited because I would get some um, real experience and use my new master's degree in biblical counseling in real ministry context. So that was a nice, uh, that was kind gift from the Lord uh, because I didn't even think I could get a full-time job related to biblical counseling. Um, And then I... I just wanted to. I had this deeper hunger for God's word. And I was looking at some schools. And my first school was a different school. <laughs> and then at that time, <laughs> uh, Dr. Stuart Scott was leaving uh, to start the biblical counseling program at Southern Seminary. And I don't remember telling him I wanted to study more at a seminary, but I guess somehow he found out. And he asked if I would consider studying at Southern versus this other school. And I just thought, wow, what a great opportunity I get to study the Word and theology and still be involved in biblical counseling. And so it was a no-brainer to do that and... That's how I ended up moving to from, Louisville, from California to Louisville, which was the step of faith, I have to say, at that time, because I knew no one. Um, <laughs> I didn't even know Southern Seminary. I didn't grow up SPC. Um, my interaction with SBC was uh, Dr. Moore would speak at the Shepherds Conference.
2: Yep,
1: yep. Grace Community Church. So that was the extent of my um my exposure to SBC, so I was really naive in that sense, but I just wanted to study more God's word and I wanted to support this program that was gonna start at this seminary. Um, my friends, some of my close friends from Maryland flew out to California to drive cross country to Louisville and I just thought, oh, I don't know where I'm gonna be living. This is a new territory, new part of the country. And this is more of a bit of a silly story I'm sharing, but maybe some little stars will um, appreciate this, but I saw a Starbucks sign and I said, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> 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 because remember, I live in big cities. Remember, yeah, you yep, have to keep that yep. in mind. and um, And yes, you can... Call me big city snob. I own it. Yes, I was at that time. <laughs> but I just, there was just a lot of also not knowing what to expect and everything was yep. new. Yep. So, but I felt more at ease when I saw something familiar with that. And of course, um, the Lord just allowed me to be there for many years and grow in my uh, study of his word and get to know some Really good people.
0: Yeah. Um, No, definitely. I mean, it's, I mean, honestly, like, yeah, we moved from California to Kentucky, but Jenny and I had met here, and if you've never been somewhere, you have some conceptions about that place, uh, (laughs) and and many of them are ill-formed, right? Like, because they're... Coming out of whatever stories you've heard or whatever, so uh, yeah, when we when we moved mm-hmm. back here, everybody's like, "Why are you going to Kentucky?" And they have these very interesting views of Kentucky. And as you know, Louisville is it's not as big as LA or DC, but it's it's not a small city either. So. Uh, and there are lots of Starbucks. <laughs> it's
1: it's developed over the past twenty years. We've Got and indoor plumbing and everything. It's great. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good places actually to eat and uh, drink coffee. So
0: yes, yeah, yep. Yeah. It is. It's uh, actually a really good food for foodies and people coffee snobs. It's a it's a good spot. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> well, anyway, um, we'll we'll get off anyway. of <laughs> talking about Louisville. <laughs> Um, But you went on Um, while you were here, you didn't just, you, you came to study, but you finished up a PhD here. So tell briefly kind of encapsulate what, what did you, you did your biblical account, a PhD in biblical counseling. What was your dissertation?
1: Yeah. So my dissertation was on um, theological anthropology and just examining the anthropology of different Christian counseling models and wanting to that better at that time um in my humble opinion as we we use that phrase i saw there was a lot of emphasis on scripture and sufficiency and i was trying to make sense of the different talking point points and um, perspectives and and after um some time period i came to this topic of theological anthropology and so um and that was really helpful in better understanding the different viewpoints and not being superficial and not being simplistic and being more nuanced in how i explain the different views and the commonalities as well as differences um and so Personally I, I appreciated that and I I would say that's also shaped how I converse with people about the different views mm. in biblical in counseling world, right? I'm yeah. sure you get asked that a lot. And also um talking about people with different views in a respectful way and uh, acknowledging areas of commonalities that also explaining more hopefully thoughtfully why we disagree on these uh, certain points, especially with scripture for counseling issues. So, yeah, my, that was my topic. I'm still interested. I've been interested, and that's really that. Um, that's my research area and area I want to uh, work on for writing projects. So um, I, I, I suppose if I had to take a passion, um, an area of passion that would be one of one of the main ones.
0: Yeah. that's no, really good, and it was it was interesting because you were a part of the BCC before I came on as as the director and then executive director. And I remember one of the first summits I went to. I think it was a we called them retreats back then. You were speaking, I think, on that topic, and it's helpful to talk mm-hmm. to you then and then afterwards too about just how. Sometimes and at, I'm sure it's ebbed and flowed over history. We have this misunderstanding mm-hmm. or overemphasis on one, like we are body and spirit, like as though mm-hmm. they're separate. Or actually, no, we're we're body an embodied spirit. That's not like we can't exist. Anyway, we had lots of great conversations yeah. after that. So it's, yeah, it's a it's a fascinating field, and it's wonderful to have yeah. uh, your dissertation and then also your continuing thinking and working in that field. So it's something we need. We need as biblical counselors. It's very pertinent to what we do. Um, so thanks mm-hmm. for doing that, and keep keep up the good, good work. We need more public. You need to get some stuff published. That that. Uh, dissertation committees will, you know, that not just dissertation (laughs) committees will absorb. So, Um, well, tell us, I want to hear some of the people and books that have shaped your life. So, are there key uh, people in the biblical counseling world that influenced you? Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. so, probably um, different individuals as I was growing in my understanding of counseling and being exposed to different people. So some of the initial ones, probably my professors that masters and, um, George Scott was one I got to work more closely with because of Southern seminary and being his assistant and grader too. And all those things. So, um, that was really helpful to have conversations. It, I learned so much in the classroom, but for me, I would say some of those uh, you know developing moments occurred outside of the classroom in
2: mm-hmm.
1: those informal uh, conversations and uh so appreciated moments. Um also I would say David Pelison, um In my earlier years, it was definitely through writings because I didn't get to meet him until later, and also Ed Welch. And so, uh, same with him. I didn't get to meet him until later. So, But I was definitely being um, shaped in my uh, biblical counseling framework by their writings. Um, um, And so, to this day, a lot of my students are reading their works in the classes. Yeah. Um, and, the, and there's just so many. I mean, a lot of people in the biblical counseling world, a lot of their books have saved me. Oh, Wayne Mac, I should mm-hmm. say also. Uh, I appreciated his, with Wayne Mac. I appreciated his wisdom on marriage, um, marriage and family, um, appreciated that input. And, yeah, he was actually my thesis advisor when I did my master's. Uh, it's fun. so funny, Curtis. It's like, have you had this experience? It's like after I finished the a degree, they let go of some of these like really sanctifying, um, you know, like markers of, to graduate and whatnot. And then I find out you don't have to do <laughs> this particular project. And I'm just thinking, What in the world? (laughs) How did I end up (laughs) missing this by a year or two or something? You mean when they make it um, easier
0: after you leave? (laughs) Yes, yes.
1: So, but I I don't want to put it that way because I'm sure it's still challenging in other ways. Yes, I might have chosen if I had a choice,
2: but
1: (laughs) um, no. But I, (laughs) um, I, but I appreciate because writing has a way of just really making you um Mm. solidify your thoughts so would i want to publish my thesis no but was it a good preparation for further studies in seminary absolutely Absolutely. it was very humbling um this made me realize how much i didn't know so yeah
0: no that's good yeah i mean if you're going to do a phd you're going to have to write and so the best way to prep for that is to write
1: so (laughs) exactly there's yeah writing would be a big part of it yeah the
2: um, other the others there's
1: so many others i i'm sorry if i forgot the other individuals and you're hearing this later this podcast but those are some of the maybe the ones who really shaped me um in my early years
0: yeah i mean it's it's kind of unfair i mean it's not unfair but especially for council members who've I mean, we get to get together with forty or fifty wonderful people and be shaped by them all the time, and um, and and I can look back at so many people, even just one conversation or their example or their writing or whatever. But mm-hmm. we we do tend to we we there are some that stand out as like specifically shaping in our lives too. So. Yeah. Uh, On that similar vein, books are something we we do a lot of, Uh, and I know you've read a lot of books, but if you, I mean, if there were two or three books that you said, like, were just, man, these really uh, shaped my, me as a person, my thinking, my, how I counsel, what Mm -hmm. would they, what would those be?
1: Okay, so again, I'm going to go to the classics in my life. Okay, there's so many good books, and uh, so th- these questions are always hard for me. But instruments in the regamer's hand, I think that was very eye-opening and the love, no, speak, do kind of model. And I use that in my classes as well. It's getting more to that heart level of um, of discipleship and counseling. And it was just really helpful. Uh, also... I also appreciate the book um, let's see Seeing With New Eyes yeah. by David Paulson. That's a compilation of different articles. He wrote, I believe, for JVC over the years. And one of the first chapters is on Ephesians. And it changes how you read scripture. Now, every time I find that book in my class, I always, always have students who will say I've read Ephesians many times, but I've never thought of it this way mm. as as I as I read a chapter in this book. And so um and then there's this the hodgepodge of different topics in that book. So I appreciate that book as well. And also that book has a way of it's almost guiding us in how to um, in how to converse with those we don't agree with, and mm, not being yeah. simplistic and superficial, but really trying to understand why this person is coming from this uh, presupposition, and and so. I think that's a great book for those who are um, trying to understand psychology from a biblical perspective. The seeing with new eyes. That'd be good. No, another that one a, I appreciate as well is how people change. Oh, were you going to say something, Curtis?
0: I'm always going to say something, but no. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to move on to the next question, but if you wanted to share about that one too, that's great.
1: Uh, another book that I've really appreciated is how people change um, the heat, thorn, cross and fruit. Mm-hmm. I what I appreciate about that book is the simplicity of the model, but also um profundity of the model and going deeper into the issues of our desires and wants we worship. So it correlates with instruments in the Redeemer's hands, but gives more of this um, a, a structure to use with people. What I also like about it is I've used that with teenagers, I've used mm-hmm. that with young adults and older adults. So I love that I can use that with different generations. Um, I, w- I would say those are some of those three books for me, that's explicitly biblical counseling material and then there's a lot of newer books that have come out the past few years but i see a lot of that almost as just developing more of what we're reading in those books in one way or another Mm. so um that's why i would say those are some of those um significant books for me in terms of biblical counseling yeah and there's others but if i had to pick three might. Today, ask me tomorrow. I might say something else. <laughs> that's
0: <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So, what's what's one of the hardest things or hard things that you face in counseling ministry?
1: That I face in counseling ministry. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I don't know if this answers your question, but I'm seeing the more I counsel, the The benefit of counseling someone from your own church versus Mm -hmm. someone not from your church. So I do a lot of students and people from church. And then as I'm able to people outside of that, but it definitely is more challenging when not at the same church. It limits how I can encourage them Mm -hmm. and involve the body of Christ. And if we think about what we're really teaching in biblical counseling, it's um, teaching the one another and coming alongside each other, Galatians 6, in the body of Christ's uh, primarily. And, we, of course, we have a place for parachurch ministries and so forth. But primarily, I think that's what our emphasis is. So I would say I do notice that it can be more challenging when you're counseling outside of the church. So uh, not impossible, but just more challenging. I only see a smaller slice of this person's life. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just helpful when you can have more of a holistic um, understanding of this person's family and their friends and um, involvement in church and things like that, spiritual growth. So you know, you can meet with them one hour a week, but it's still just one hour yeah. versus sharing life together in the same church.
0: On the kind of on the flip maybe on the flip side or maybe not on the flip side, but what's what are some of the things you enjoy most about counseling? What are the things that keep you motivated mm-hmm. and excited and joyful to keep keep doing it?
1: Uh so The older i get not that i'm in my 80s or something the older i get i'm just really being um just that this this life is not about me Mm. it's about god and his kingdom and it's so easy to forget that even with good things in you know, teaching and, um, you know, traveling and so forth. But helping helps me to remember what life is really about, the eternal perspective in God's kingdom, because it forces me to search God's truth and to really uh, seek God's understanding in relation to this person's struggles and situations and so through that process uh, the Holy Spirit is um, renewing me spiritually and convicting uh, me of any selfishness um, so it just it keeps me grounded in more of eternal perspective of my life um, thinking less of me or my small world <laughs> and thinking more about um, you know, God's eternal purpose and for, for as a Christian, what it means to be in this world, but not um, of this world. That's probably something i of course, I love seeing people change, right? It's just so rewarding and awe-inspiring in the sense of, you just your how I see God is magnified mm-hmm. every time uh, a difficult situation, uh, you know, a difficult situation um, becomes optimistic. It and it just never gets old. So yes, yeah, mm-hmm. there's that component, and being a small part of that, yes. I, I, I love doing that, but I'm really seeing how counseling God has used counseling to keep me near Him as I'm trying to help others and I'm trying to prepare uh, for my session. So that's a different perspective. I've been having on counseling is just um, it's been a way to keep me near the Lord and. Not getting as distracted as I could be as I'm meeting with others. So as I'm trying to help others, they're really helping me by keeping my eyes on the Lord. <laughs> um, it's hard work. Uh, some cases are more complicating and time consuming, but uh, there's there's so much fruit, and very grateful to be a part of that.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I think that's a good good note to end on, just the encouragement there for our, our counselees. We could talk for a long time, but our time has expired. So Lily, thank you so much for being with us on 1514 today. Thank
1: you so much for having me, Curtis. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.
0: And special thanks to our team who helped make this podcast possible. My assistant, Rebecca Mullins, helps coordinate these interviews. And our podcast engineer, Caleb Lau, does a great job editing and putting everything together. We look forward to you joining us next time.